Boy, Goat's Tobacco. When I was about nine, the ancient half-sister got engaged to be married. The man of her choice was a young English doctor, and that summer he came with us to Norway. Romance was floating in the air like moon dust, and the two lovers, for some reason we younger ones could never understand, did not seem to be very keen on us tagging along with them. They went out in the boat alone, they climbed the rocks alone, they even had breakfast alone. We resented this. As a family, we had always done everything together, and we didn't see why the ancient half-sister should suddenly decide to do things differently, even if she had become engaged. We were inclined to blame the male lover for disrupting the calm of our family life, and it was inevitable that he would have to suffer for it sooner or later. The male lover was a great pipe smoker. The disgusting, smelly pipe was never out of his mouth, except when he was eating or swimming. We even began to wonder whether he removed it when he was kissing his betrothed. He gripped the stem of the pipe in the most manly fashion between his strong white teeth and kept it there while talking to you. This annoyed us. Surely it was more polite to take it out and speak properly. One day we all went out in a little motorboat to an island we had never been to before, and for once the ancient half-sister and the manly lover decided to come with us. We chose this particular island because we saw some goats on it. They were climbing about on the rocks, and we thought it would be fun to go and visit them. But when we landed, we found that the goats were totally wild and we couldn't get near them. So we gave up trying to make friends with them and simply sat around on the smooth rocks in our bathing costumes enjoying the lovely sun. The manly lover was filling his pipe. I happened to be watching him as he carefully packed the tobacco into the bowl with a yellow oilskin pouch. He had just finished doing this and was about to light up when the ancient half-sister called on him to come swimming. So he put down the pipe and off he went. I stared at the pipe that was lying there on the rocks, about twelve inches away from it. I saw a little heap of dried goat's droppings, each one small and round like a pale brown berry, and at that point an interesting idea began to sprout in my mind. I picked up the pipe and knocked all the tobacco out of it. I then took the goat's droppings and teased them with my fingers until they were nicely shredded. Very gently I poured these shredded droppings into the bowl of the pipe packing them down with my thumb, just as the manly lever always did it. When that was done, I placed a thin layer of real tobacco over the top. The entire family was watching me as I did this. Nobody said a word, but I could sense a glow of approval all around. I replaced the pipe on the rock, and all of us sat down to await the return of the victim. The whole lot of us were in this together now, even my mother. I had drawn them into the plot simply by letting them see what I was doing. It was a silent, rather dangerous family conspiracy. Back came the manly lover, dripping wet from the sea, chest out, strong and virile, healthy and sunburnt. Great swim, he announced to the world. Splendid water. Terrific stuff. He toweled himself vigorously, making the muscles of his biceps ripple. Then he sat down on the rocks and reached for his pipe. Nine pairs of eyes watched him intently. Nobody giggled to give the game away. We were trembling with anticipation and a good deal of the suspense was caused by the fact that none of us knew just what was going to happen. The manly lever put the pipe between his strong white teeth and struck a match. He held the flame over the bowl and sucked. The tobacco ignited and glowed, and the lover's head was enveloped in the clouds of blue smoke. Ah, he said, blowing smoke through his nostrils, there's nothing like a good pipe after a bracing swim. Still, we waited. We could hardly bear the suspense. The sister, who was seven, couldn't bear it at all. What sort of tobacco do you put in that thing? She asked with superb innocence. Navy cut, the male lover answered. 
Flair's navy cut. It's the best there is. These Norwegians use all sorts of disgusting scented tobaccos, but I wouldn't touch them. I didn't know they had different tastes, the small sister went on. Of course they do, the manly lover said. All tobaccos are different to the discriminating pipe smoker. Navy cut is clean and unadulterated. It's a man's smoke. The man seemed to go out of his way to use long words like discriminating and unadulterated. We hadn't the foggiest what they meant. The ancient half-sister, fresh from her swim and now clothed in a towel bathrobe, came and sat herself close to her manly lover. Then the two of them started giving each other those silly little glances and soppy smiles that made us all feel sick. They were far too occupied with one another to notice the awful tension that had settled over our group. They didn't even notice that every face in the crowd was turned towards them. They had sunk once again into their lover's world where little children did not exist. The sea was calm, the sun was shining, and it was a beautiful day. Then, all of a sudden, the manly lover let out a piercing scream, and his whole body shot four feet into the air. His pipe flew out of his mouth and went clattering over the rocks, and the second scream he gave was so shrill and loud that all the seagulls on the island rose up in alarm. His features were twisted like those of a person undergoing severe torture, and his skin had turned the color of snow. He began spluttering and choking and spewing and hawking and acting generally like a man with some serious internal injury. He was completely speechless. We stared at him enthralled. The ancient half-sister, who must have thought she was about to lose her future husband forever, was pawing at him and thumping him on the back and crying, "'Darling! Darling! What's happening to you? Where does it hurt? Get the boat! Start the engine! We must rush him to the hospital quickly!' She seemed to have forgotten that there wasn't a hospital within fifty miles. "'I've been poisoned!' spluttered the manly lover. "'It's got into my lungs! It's, it's in my chest! My chest is on fire! My stomach's going up in flames!' "'Help me get him to the boat, quick!' cried the ancient half-sister, gripping him under the armpits. "'Don't just sit there staring. Come and help!' "'No, no, no!' cried the now-not-so-manly lover. "'Leave me alone! I need air! Give me air!' He lay back and breathed in deep draughts of splendid Norwegian ocean air, and in another minute or so he was sitting up again and was on the way to recovery. "'What in the world came over you?' asked the ancient half-sister, clasping his hands tenderly in hers. I can't imagine, he murmured. I simply can't imagine. His face was as still and white as virgin snow, and his hands were trembling. There must be a reason for it, he added. There's got to be a reason. I know the reason, shouted the seven-year-old sister, screaming with laughter. I know what it was. What was it, snapped the ancient one. What have you been up to? Tell me at once. It's his pipe, shouted the small sister, still convulsed with laughter. "'What's wrong with my pipe?' said the manly lover. "'You've been smoking goat's tobacco,' cried the small sister. It took a few moments for the full meaning of these words to dawn upon the two lovers, but when it did, and when the terrible anger began to show itself on the manly lover's face, and when he started to rise slowly and menacingly to his feet, we all sprang up and ran for our lives and jumped off the rocks into the deep water.'"